I'm Jeff Cranson, and this is Talking Michigan Transportation. Today, we're thinking about what transportation needs will be in Michigan 25 years from now. Michigan Mobility 2045, or MM 2045, is the department's ambitious project to look into a big crystal ball and see what our needs will be and how mobility will factor into everything involved in how we live, work, and play. Brad Charlow heads up MDOT's Urban Travel Analysis Unit and has been overseeing MM2045. So Brad, what is MM2045? Tell us why it's important. Why does the federal government ask state DOTs to engage in this process? Sure. Well, MM2045 is Michigan's state long-range transportation plan. And overall, this is really sets the long-term direction on where the state of Michigan wants its transportation network to be over the long-term future. So this offers an opportunity to really look at where do we want to go where do we want to be and how do we get there? And so, yeah, states overall are required to put these long range policy documents together and to coordinate with stakeholders, the general public and all transportation providers across mo all modes of transportation in order to develop that long-term direction and vision for the state of Michigan. So how do you know and, and feel, or how do you get to a place where you feel like you've really had robust involvement. I mean, on one hand, we have you know more ways to communicate with each other than we've ever had with so many social media platforms, um, so much technology available to all of us. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, you know, social scientists will tell you that we're like less connected than ever and our interests and attention spans are scattered. So how do you feel confident that you've really uh, reached you know, everybody that's going to be touched by this, which is everybody, because transportation touches everybody. That's a great question. I guess we always feel that we can reach out to more people as a whole. But when we really this time we we went above and beyond to try to reach a diverse audience overall throughout the state of Michigan to be inclusive, as well as to be equitable in terms of how we go about reaching out. So in this effort we really looked at what other states did in the past and really tried to build on that so a few highlights that we wanted we did here through the engagement of this plan is we were able to reach out to over 14,000 citizens and respondents through a hybrid of different survey opportunities as well as both in-person meetings and virtual workshops that we've held over the last three years. So we did four different online surveys. Two of those were using the MetroQuest software where we reached about 7,700 people through those two surveys. We did an attitudes and perception survey that reached about 1,500 people statewide. We did a, also did a separate survey focusing on the needs of disability groups and received 200 responses for that survey. And then finally, we did two rounds of telephone town hall meetings where between those two events, we, re we reached 6,300 
statewide representatives across all 83 counties in the state of Michigan. And so as a result, we really feel we've done a pretty decent job reaching out and targeting populations throughout the state. We've also worked with other professionals, both at MDOT and partnering agencies to reach out to environmental justice communities and to make sure that we go, to, we went to the people or went to events where people were already going to be at. And so that's, the numbers speak for themselves, but even beyond the numbers, just the sheer involvement and word of mouth that has been going on through this effort has been really extensive. Yeah, so I think um, it's, it's, it's great um, that you guys have put so much emphasis on equity and, you know, in, in involving everybody, uh, you know, access for all, not just in terms of what we do in transportation, but access for all in terms of forming a long range plan. Um, how, how do you, do you feel like you can gauge that, uh, that transparency and accountability that I know is, is really important. Um, it's a priority of yours and a priority of the department's. Uh, for for this plan and how it's implemented? Well, one thing we did in addition to just doing general outreach is we formed this stakeholder group that involves representatives from partnering agencies across different modes of transportation, advocacy groups. Um, we have two two university professors from Michigan State and Michigan Tech who teach transportation planning and engineering. We have Michigan Fitness Foundation, and so, and then other state agencies and metropolitan planning organizations. We've brought all those people into the development of this plan. We have been meeting about four times a year. For, so we've met at least seven or eight times. They helped write the vision statement. They helped write the goals and they reviewed and commented on all the objectives and the strategies and everything else. So really that accountability because they were the ones there helping write this information and craft this vision and everything. We believe that by working together and making this a true state of Michigan plan versus just an MDOT infrastructure plan that it's not only MDOT that's going to be carrying this these strategies forward, but everyone. And so not only will our stakeholders hold MDOT accountable, but we at MDOT would like to hold one another accountable as well as we work together. Because the only way this plan will be implemented is if we work together through effective partnerships. And you feel like um, you've done that. And one of the things I know the plan talks about is the explanation of, of how, you know, revenue can grow Michigan's economy and advance equity and help us adapt to climate change. I mean, all those things are very much on our mind lately, especially after these uh, torrential downpours in Detroit, uh, after, you know, the 2014 flooding event that people said then was like a 500 year event. You know, here we are just uh, six years later, seven years later, having similar events. So that building for sustainability and adapting to whatever's going on with the climate is is really important too. How, how much emphasis and how often did that come up in your conversations across the state? Um, that came up quite often. Um, one of the additional planning factors that was required through MAP 21 and the FAST Act, which are the current federal reauthorization bills, are 
resiliency and reliability. And so we added a whole section and there's a chapter in the long range plan that will focus on network resiliency and address the need to advance and modernize our infrastructure to be to be able to withstand these type of activities more. And it involves not only just building the roads, but also looking at the infrastructure around the roads to be able to handle this. And so we're having been having quite a few conversations with folks like the Michigan Infrastructure Council, working internally with our folks in terms of understanding the, the need for maintenance on pump stations, but also understanding the whole drainage system and working with how water drains out when we have these torrential downpours. And yeah, we you mentioned Detroit, but we had issues in Midland last year. We had issues up in Houghton about three years ago. I mean, this is happening all over the place. And so we do have to work. And then the other discussion that was brought up is the whole shoreline erosion that we were seeing in 2020 in terms of what that's doing for shoreline roads as well as the tourism in the state of Michigan. So it did come up quite substantially throughout this plan development. Yeah, that's that's a that's a really good point. I mean, obviously, uh, three weeks apart, we had these major rains in, in Detroit the end of June and then early July. and obviously that consumed me and i don't know how quickly i could forget that barely more than a year ago we had uh yeah a thousand year flood event um in midland that breached dams and you know people are still recovering from so yeah it's it's definitely not not just detroit so um one of the things that is touted about this there there are some firsts um both in terms of you know data collection um means of collecting data but also that mm 2045 is the first state long range transportation plan in the country that fully integrates freight and rail plans into a combined long range transportation plan that's that's uh, something to to tout i guess absolutely and yes so this is this first first long range plan to fully incorporate all the federal requirements for a state freight plan and a state rail plan in addition we also are doing our first statewide active transportation plan and a statewide coordinated transit strategy so yes this we do feel we're very pleased to be those that for the trailblazers here in the nation to really lead this effort. What has been really rewarding as a result of bringing all these together under one umbrella is getting these different groups to talk to one another as we form the vision, as we form these strategies to say, okay, if we if we word this particular strategy this way, what does that mean for each area? And so, whereas in the past, if we treat each of these kind of separately and do it, it's certainly easier to, to write the plan that way, but then we lose a lot of that collaboration and discussion between different interest groups. So, it has been very challenging at times feeling like we're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole and in particular for the freight and rail plan they have very specific requirements that we have to adhere by and so you will see that those are all addressed but yes it's been very rewarding to do this and we are very appreciative of everyone who's been involved in this effort to really come together with a true multimodal state of Michigan plan. So you know you know, years ago, uh, this was called the State Highways Department, um, like like it was in a lot of states. I mean, up until recently, Nebraska was the Department of Roads. They changed the name 
in Michigan to the Michigan Department of Transportation quite some time ago. But a lot of people would say advocates in the you know multimodal communities would say that uh, that we're still too highways focused, you know, too road and car focused. I know that you guys really put a lot of emphasis on multimodal integration in this planning and, and involving the groups that advocate for that. Do you feel like as you look at the plan, you look to 2045, that we are going to be a more multimodal society? I believe, yes, we definitely will be. And frankly, it's we have to be because there are so many users of our network that are dependent on a multimodal system in order to get from one place to another. And it's a responsibility for us all to serve all users of the system. And in as much as we rely on our vehicles, they, not everyone can either afford to own a vehicle or legally operate a vehicle for whatever reason. And so we need to ensure that we provide those choices for all users as a whole. The other things to look at in general as we as we discuss this and the plan does really try to discuss early on here when we talk about it is where each mode of transportation has agrees they want to be at that vision by the year 2045 that and so we show a diagram in the plan that shows the different modes of transportation that are going from lake michigan to lake huron and we showed a depiction just more as a graphic to show even though we all want to be to the east side of the lake by or east side of the state by 2045 we we're all at different points on that journey right now so the yeah. highway system is very mature we're focusing more on preser preserving the system maybe making a few operational enhancements and then getting back to what we talked about earlier, focusing on modernizing it for new technologies and for resiliency. Whereas you look at the other modes, there is still some needs for expansion, in particular for passenger rail, pu public transportation, passenger transportation, transit, and in particular active transportation networks. We don't even have an inventory at this point of where all our active non-motorized transportation facilities are, much less understanding what condition they are in. So even though we all want to get there, what we work on in the short term to bring some of these other modes to catch them up in terms of data availability, in terms of just understanding what the network coverage is, is a huge challenge that we're going to be working through as part of the implementation of this plan. So what is the data in your, I guess your own crystal ball, your own instincts tell you about what future generations are, are going to want? Because I've said many times as we talked about passenger rail and uh, the decision by Michigan to take federal money from the the Obama stimulus to to do the enhanced passenger rail between Chicago and Detroit that a lot of other states turned down um, because we thought that that's the future and we think that younger generations think of connectivity as you know their phone and their devices and um, not they don't have to drive if they can be on a on a bus or a streetcar or a train but then we also see evidence and the skeptics will say yeah you know young people say that but as soon as they get married and have kids you know they move to the suburbs and then they want their cars so what do you, what do you see how does that break down in the future in Michigan you've you've really explained it pretty well there Jeff that is the conundrum that we see right now um, we see a lot of the younger folks in their 20s 
gravitating to the urban areas where they don't have to own a vehicle and they have they can get around through various choices but then yes when they get married settle down and have families you're right many of them start to gravitate back towards the suburbs a lot of that has to do with the quality of the school systems that's just my opinion but but in reality there are more and more folks who are remaining in the cities now, even raising their families in those cities. I have some friends that live in the city of Ann Arbor or live in, in downtown Detroit or others where they are raising their families and stuff like that. And they are able to find ways to manage without owning three vehicles in their home. They may, instead of having a vehicle for each driver, they may choose to only have one vehicle and then to utilize other modes or rely on other services for other trips and so that's i think we're gonna we're instead of it being sort of a complete switch from one extreme to the other i think you're going to see more of a hybrid of maybe people owning less vehicles but having relying on these other options for a portion of their trips that goes to you know funding decisions too because like you said, we're we're focused. MDOT has been focused for a long time on preservation and you know and asset management because that's all they can afford to be given the chronic underfunding of transportation here. But if if we make those those changes, you know, we, we're still going to need the roads for trucks and and for the people that still have cars. Um, but there's going to be even more funding gaps if if fewer people are driving. If people found out during the pandemic that they can telecommute and you know we still rely on. A gas tax or user fees to sustain the roads. So how did that factor into your conversations? Well, the big thing, uh, the pandemic certainly threw a wrench into our forecasts in terms of what we were initially anticipating. But what we did try to do here overall is really, uh, at least in the short term, the purpose of a long-range plan when it comes to long-term revenue is to give more of a, a broader ballpark figure of kind of what our needs are going to be not to get caught up on a specific number, but to understand what's the magnitude in terms of what our needs are going to be. And so all we could do right now was focus primarily on what we understand our existing revenues to be and how they're allocated, and then project out into the future based on what it, the costs are going to be to maintain that or to expand to meet those needs. And so essentially, we wound up pretty much showing in the document here that with everything that's being described we only have enough forecasted revenue to meet about half of the needs in order to achieve the vision of the plan so we essentially would need to double our program statewide regardless of mode regardless of jurisdiction regardless of who owns or operates we're going to need to double the program in order to have a chance at meeting the vision. And so that was pretty alarming to see how big those numbers were. And we know that everything didn't get quantified down to the dollar and cent like we do usually for a short-term five-year program type of thing, but it does give you that magnitude. So one of the things I noted was that the term supply chain has entered the common vernacular. It sounds like, sounds like uh, people are just more aware of what that means and probably uh, just-in-time delivery and all the things that freight haulers and, and companies, you know, deal with and count on now. Um, talk talk about that in terms of the plan. 
Yes, that was a huge, huge supply chain and really understanding the role of freight and and how the supply chain industry has really has really been a good tool to to help the general public understand. I mean, we're, we have all these chip shortages for these trucks right now that we were having having vehicles parked in MSU's commuter lot because they couldn't finish putting together the vehicles at the auto industries. How many people are trying to order laptops right now and their chip shortages in terms of that? We dealt with toilet paper back at the beginning of the pandemic and just and then there's other shortages in food supplies right now and other stuff like that that are coming. And so, yes, supply chain really has been something that the public really understands more. And it has also helped them to understand and appreciate more the needs of why we need a freight plan and the the freight component to be central to our overall long range plan as a whole. I'll tell you something related to transportation that uh, was short in the supply chain. It was kayaks, if you want to be truly multimodal. Exactly. Kayaks, bikes, I mean, boats, I mean, I'm hearing every rvs i mean it sounds like there's everything out there right now it's amazing i was very fortunate to be able to purchase a new bike right when the stores reopened after the initial pandemic closures but if i would have waited two months to get a new bike i wouldn't have never got one yeah many, many brands are still hard to come by yeah so i mean whether it's kayaks boats whether it's bicycles you name it it's it's amazing what this has done to disrupt the whole supply chain industry on a global level. Well, Brad, this this, this is a great overview. Um, I'm going to encourage people to go to the show notes and go to the links for the actual plan and and you know read it because um, there's there's a lot there. There's a lot of good infographics. I think uh, the the story is told in myriad ways, and there's a lot people can glean from that. Is there anything else you want to add just for emphasis uh, that people should know about MM2045? Yeah, I guess the really the big thing here is when it comes to moving forward in transportation, we are all want to go get to the same place. And so I just encourage all of us as we move forward here to find ways to work together in terms of achieving this vision because we all want this vision. We all want a multimodal, safe, efficient, resilient, well-maintained and funded multimodal network that can get us and provide choices for all users of the system. And so that's really where we want to go. And we hope that people really embrace this plan and will work with each of your respective transportation providers over the next several years to help us as we work to implement this plan as a whole. I think that sums it up very well, Brad. Thanks for talking with us. Yep, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you again for listening to this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I would like to thank Randy Doubler and Corey Petey for engineering this week's podcast. To subscribe to show notes and more, go to Apple Podcasts and search for Talking Michigan Transportation.